seconds flat. Give me up. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Blake Zero. Oh, my gosh. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mile 78 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Great to have you with us. Got my man Cosmo back in the studio. It feels right. It does. To be in the San Suchi studio on a rainy, crisp mm-hmm. morning at the Ides of March. Beware. Oh, yes. Cosmo, welcome in. Thank you. How you doing, buddy? I am doing well. I am feeling good about this episode. Okay. I'm ready to talk about medium long runs. But before we do, can we take it to Fayetteville? Yes. Arkansas, not North Carolina. Thank you. What happened over the weekend? Uh, Let's talk Fayetteville and let's talk Stillwater. Okay. Oklahoma. The NCAA Indoor Championships and NCAA Cross Country postponed from the fall on one long spring break weekend. All right. So first it was end of last week over the weekend in Fayetteville for the Indoor Championships I'm going to say, how about we do this, Cosmo? Do you have one big takeaway or one big star from the race? I have a few, but... I think that was fairly obvious to anybody who paid uh, even remote attention. Uh, clearly, you don't like my question. You thought my question was stupid that I would even ask. Because I wasn't, wasn't going to say it. I don't know how obvious it is. I, there may be more than one. I'm, well, you paid attention uh, in much more detail than I did. It's but my job. At, at, uh, at a glance, passion. Cole Hawker... Uh, yeah. Stole the show um, this weekend. Yeah, Cole Hawker was dynamite. The mid-distance distance star from University of Oregon has entered his name into a lengthy Oregon record book as the mile and 3K champion indoors. That was a meet record 353 in the mile. He was also on the... Ducks NCAA championship meet record DMR team. So he's bringing home all kind of points. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. At a just superficial glance, he's the star of this meet. I think there's other folks, and I'm going to bring up a few. But first, let, let's dig a little deeper into the Cole Hawker story. We, we are really good in distance running at anointing the next star. Mm-hmm often prematurely and there's a lot of names that those of us who are really dialed into the sport can remember from yesteryear of this guy was going to be the next or this girl i think especially for for the women we often see a high school star and think naturally she's going to be the next great american 5000 meter runner or marathoner or whatever it might be mm-hmm. and we forget the other stresses of life and college that come with it. Yeah. The stages we are in our physical development. You know, you often see women runners blossoming earlier, seeing the fruits of their talent at a younger age. So while I'm heading down a path where I 
I'm about to say, we don't want to be the ones to start anointing the next star. Oh, sure. What the heck? Let's go ahead and talk about a possible next star. Yeah, as a sophomore, he performed fairly well this weekend, yeah. so tell us about it. 19 years old, takes the double, and the fashion in which he did it is part of what makes it remarkable. We know that he ran a 350-mile indoor already this year, and thrust himself up into the top 10 all-time American men. But there's always the question of how does someone respond to championship-style racing? Mm -hmm. and Benji and I often had this conversation when someone would break a world record, and he would ask me, is that person now the Olympic favorite? And my typical answer is probably yes, because he's just the fastest person. Mm -hmm. Benji's answer is often no, because the race is so different, tactical, strategic, and it makes sense. The okay. re reality is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. What Cole Hawker did this weekend that was so special is the way he won this championship. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just clicking off a bunch of 57-second laps. Yeah. It was the ability to consistently accelerate and drop people one after the next mm -hmm. throughout the race and not even allow this meet to come to a place where a finishing kick mattered. And even if it had, his looked really, really good. Yeah. We saw his when he came back in the 3K, doubled back the same day and outkicked his teammate for a win there. Yeah. His 800-meter personal best is modest by elite division one standards. And so there was maybe some questioning of, could he win the tactical sit and kick style race? And while that's not exactly what played out the purest form of championship style weight, and then go for the last 400 meters of racing for, for the more casual fan, the parallel I would draw to a race that maybe many of you have seen is think about Matt Sintrowitz winning gold in 2016 and the Olympics in the metric mile. The ability to get to the front and position himself to take the rail, and then it was all about just fighting to hold on for the last lap yeah. when everybody has closing speed. So it wasn't necessarily that type of race, yeah. but he went a little out of his traditional comfort zone and approach and threw down this impressive day you have to start thinking given the legacy of a guy like we've had here on the show andrew weeding duck legend of recent years a guy like centro and then we go back to the past and i don't want to get too big with the names we start throwing out there but you're right he's a sophomore mm -hmm. if he sticks around there's a lot of time does he get into that rarefied air, maybe not Steve Prefontaine class, but maybe close. Perhaps he is the guy we're all looking to in 2024, 2028. I, I don't even want to put 2021 out of the question, right? Mm -hmm. uh, trials are in Eugene this summer for his shot. But we can say that his his bona fides now are, there's, there's no question, there's no doubt he is a star. It'll be exciting to see what happens. We like to say in our running and in the people we work with, there's no expectations. There's only opportunities. Yeah. 
So we're not going to put expectations on what he can do, what he might do, and throw out crazy numbers to you. Mm -hmm. I'd rather say, I hope you all got the chance to see these races. If you didn't, Mm -hmm. go look at them. And then think to yourself, this guy could become must-see TV for me. I need to flip on an NCAA race. I need to flip on a trials in the future, a U.S. championship, whatever it might be, if he is able to stay healthy under the incredible training system with Coach Thomas at uo yeah i i definitely wasn't uh, paying as close attention um uh, as as you were before but i'm definitely gonna be watching this guy and what um he does in in coming months coming years it's just exciting to see yeah. something like that and see a performance like that for it to run the mile win it impressively and then come back an hour later to win the 3k edge out his teammate it was super exciting to see so to your point cosmo i hope for everyone listening that we just appreciate excellence. Mm-hmm. And I don't care about the sport. Yeah. I don't care what the person looks like or the way they get to it. Yeah. But at a certain level, excellence is to be appreciated. Dominance is to be appreciated. Cole Hawker was one of the athletes from this weekend who exhibited that. Mm-hmm. I watched those races and as someone very engaged in the sport... It was exceptional viewing, but I think even the casual fan could go back and watch those Cole Hawker races and feel like they're watching a performance that you might see from another transcendent athlete in any other field that you like, or even it might not even be sport. Maybe it's some other area of endeavor in life, art, whatever it might be, music Mm -hmm. that you pursue to do it at that level. It gave me a little bit of those, um, the feeling that you get when you watch the best of the best doing their craft at the highest level. Yeah. He was not alone, though. That's right. In, in having a really great weekend. I would list my other biggest stars. First, I think you just have BYU women's distance in general. Okay. To take the NCAA cross championship. Mm-hmm. After taking the distance medley relay at indoor, Uh and so some people attempted to go from indoor to cross and run both meets. Teams like Oregon said, no, we're putting all our chips in the indoor championship. They didn't even qualify a group to nationals for cross, which is uncommon to say the least for Oregon. But for, for BYU to have the performances they did in the DMR, then on the grass in Stillwater, on that exceptionally rugged course. And so, oh my, you could get a little feel of it at some of the angles on the camera, but the camera doesn't do quite do it justice of just how challenging the rolling hills are on that course in Stillwater. And for BYU to master both disciplines, I thought their women were a huge story. Then Connor Mance, individual champion, and the way in which he ran. Wesley Kiptu was such a heavy, heavy favorite. As I started crafting what we might talk about today a week ago, yeah, I thought after I watched Wesley Kiptu win the 5K indoor championship, I thought we're going to be talking about him as the legend of this weekend because he's going to come back and he's going to dominate cross. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Nope. Connor Mance, 
a remarkable closing, about maybe 2K. He was able to withstand Kip2 getting out hot. He was able to get in a very small pack of guys who hung on with him. Yeah. He waited patiently. There was some commentary where they said it seemed like he was working a little harder than Kip2. Maybe appearances were deceiving. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure he was working very hard, but he clearly had in reserve another gear that couldn't be matched. And this is where cross-country is unique. It's not simply track on grass. And tactics and timing were critical and really throttled a course that Coach Dave Smith, the, the home team at Oklahoma State, thought 30 minutes even would win a national championship. And Connor Mance was significantly under. Yeah, And the last... American-born man to win that title, Galen Rupp. It's been a few years, and that's pretty good company. That's right. Former Oregon Duck star and now our preeminent marathoner. I'll add, of course, congratulations to our man Benji. It felt like he was on the course for the Northern Arizona Lumberjack Team Championship for the men. It was confusing to me, though, how he was texting me during the race while running. Right. Uh, but no, he was texting me, and he was very excited. And it was cool to see a guy like Blaze Farrow, who was on the shelf for a long time, help lead that team. Young pup, uh, Nico Young, with a good day. And then I would also add, from the indoor meet, the jumpers, and then your SEC sprinters were certainly a storyline. We mentioned two episodes ago, Matt Bowling in his college career at Georgia, he wins the 200. Abby Steiner from Kentucky gets the women's 200, so SEC sweep there. Yeah. Uh, Javon Harrison gets the high jump and long jump victory. Tara Davis on the women's long jump NCAA record. So there were some really cool other stories from the field events, but you said it, Cole Hawker, Oregon distance, BYU women's distance, and Connor Mance. Heck of a weekend for Mm -hmm. all those athletes. Yeah, it was exciting. Let's dive into the topic du jour. Let's do it. Medium long runs. Medium long runs. MLRs, some might say. It's been said. Yeah. This came to me as a great topic for further discussion while I was in the midst of a medium long run a couple weeks ago, thinking that this is something we haven't really unpacked extensively before Mm -hmm. it's a really valuable tool to help your distance training so i know you have some basic questions for us to attack here before we begin i'll just say medium long runs are of value in our programs we put together for training particularly for marathoners but i value it for everyone racing 10,000 meters and up. So if you're prepping for 10K, 15K, 10 miles, half marathon, marathon, ultra, this is something that should or at least could be part of a really good training preparation for your next target race. Yeah. I want to hear more, but it always seemed like a medium long run was an accidental long, easy run for me. (laughs) I never had it scheduled into a specific place within my workouts until, you know, you started adding them to the mix. 
So tell me a little more. What what are they exactly? Yeah, I like the way you said that. Of they became the accidental, longer than normal easy run. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, and that might be common, and there's nothing wrong with that in particular. But I would take a little more targeted approach here and how we craft these and where we place them. So I'm going to come back to that thought okay. on for most runners, don't let these become, uh, I'm just stringing together a bunch of easy days in a row that are longer than normal. Right. All right. Let's, let's prescribe them with direction and with aim and with purpose. So what are they? First, simply this is your second longest run of the week. Know that you have your long run yep. and you have your normal days. And at some point in between, you have your second longest run. So it's about not just doing a long run and then every other day is the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're adding shades of gray here. Okay. 50 of them. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> go back to the point i made earlier about it's for everything from 10k and up we just mentioned that northern arizona is your men's nca cross champion again mm -hmm. look at their training schedules uh, there's there's stuff out there uh, matt baxter a former member of the team who moved on to the hoka northern arizona elite professional okay. group in flagstaff mm -hmm. he crafted a, a book about a season a couple years ago i know there's some people that also compiled strava data to look at season-long rough outline of their training mm -hmm. and this is for cross-country 10k cross-country okay. at ncaa division one championship level yeah their schedule consistently week upon week builds to a long run in the 18 mile range mm -hmm. backed up by a midweek medium long run of up to 14 miles Okay. Somewhere in the 12 to 14 range, it is common and it is done all the way up through conference, through region, almost to the end of the season as a staple of part of their program. To further define, for an experienced endurance athlete, the medium long run will build to approximately two thirds to three fourths of the length of your long run. Okay. So if you're getting to a 20 mile long run, 12 to 15 miles makes sense for medium long. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, that's someone with experience here. I did 21 ish yesterday, the classic Monday long run. Yeah. Why not? So you use the math that gets backed up with last Wednesday, I mm -hmm. believe it was. I did about 15 and a quarter on a medium long run. Okay. Okay. So we're just looking at percentages there. Yeah. Alternatively, if you work in minutes, you know, two hours is often a really nice sweet spot for someone who's experienced to get to for their long run consistently. Yeah. So then that could be supported by a 90 ish minutes, medium long run ultimately. Okay. Sometimes you prescribe guys 90-minute medium long runs, and they go run for an hour 45. I don't know if you have any experience with that. Well, that happened to me this morning. And about about three hours ago, we together yeah. finished one of those. It was the route. It was just a little bit long. Yeah. Uh, that was... I'll take the blame. It happens. I'll take the blame. You know. For a, an intermediate athlete or someone who's really talented but less experienced, we want to get those people to at least 10 miles. 
okay. on their medium long. I do also think there is something mentally that the psychology of the marathon to consistently doing another run in the week that gets you into double digits. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there is any physiological value there, but anecdotally, the mental construct of the marathon, knowing that I've been in double digits so many times right. seems to be valuable. I felt that after I dropped you off downtown, I was kind of plotting my way back, back home, knowing I was going to be late. And I was thinking sometimes, uh, Sometimes putting in more miles, while not the most, not the most fun thing, um, adding a, a medium long run like that, I felt how it was preparing me for the the marathon distance by getting more miles in. Mm -hmm. So um, mentally, it was definitely doing something for me this morning, um, despite the fact that I went a little long. What, what did I go? A hundred minutes or so. Yeah. Um, and then walked the rest of the way home. But yeah, man, I felt exactly what you're just referring to. Then you're more developmental athletes, someone who's less experienced, moving into this realm without having ever done a medium long run before, or maybe it's your first marathon or half marathon training cycle, and you're building to this. Mm -hmm. I would say you are ultimately targeting eight miles or so, okay, or over an hour, okay, if you're a more of a minutes based person, right? Okay, those stair steps, those levels are generally appropriate if you can find yourself in which bucket am I realistically or working with your coach or whoever writes your training to assess which bucket am I in. Yeah. I could work towards a medium long run in either the 8-ish, 10-ish, or 12, 14, maybe even 16 mm -hmm. at the high end in each microcycle. Okay. All right, now that we know what they are, why do we run the medium long run? To go back to what you said a moment ago about the way you felt this morning as you put those miles in. Yeah. Mileage, at least to a degree, matters. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not specifically mileage. Maybe it's minutes. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just volume in general. The medium long run presents a very reasonable and wise opportunity to increase your volume and correspondingly improve your running economy. Okay. Economy is improved, and to redefine running economy, it is essentially the oxygen cost, the energy cost at any pace for distance running, marathon running, like you're doing mm -hmm. in particular, sub-maximal pace. What are the, the costs? the oxygen cost of this endeavor. Yeah. It's improved via one efficiency, all right? You become more efficient the more you practice anything. Yep. Repetition goes along with that. And it then is another tool for doing the, the very simple things that we look for with aerobic running, increasing capillary beds increasing size and number of mito mitochondria in cells mm -hmm. the powerhouse of the cell if you yep. remember from like high school science class i do uh, we are pursuing those with any day of continuous distance running mm -hmm. and we're probably doing an even better job in improving those in a medium long run than we are in just the normal easy day and so i'll shift that over to the practical Let's say you're getting marathon ready and you run 20 miles. And that's a, 
that's a big milestone for all of us in, in marathon prep. Yeah. But it often comes with, for the weekend warrior, four miles, one easy day, and another four-mile easy day. Right. And then maybe some workout where you went down to the track and did repeat 400s or whatever the most basic, simple thing that any of us can do. Mm-hmm. So 20 plus four plus four plus a moderate workout typically does not equal a command performance. Okay. Anytime you're looking for a big target goal race and you want to run your best, I don't know that we get there via a 20 miler and a few easy runs that are all the same distance. Yeah. We have to add the other ingredients into the recipe. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now adding something that's 8 or 10 or 12 to buttress that 20 is much more effective, not just physically, but again, as you referenced, mentally. Mm -hmm. There's really practical ways you can carry out a medium long run that add to the why. First, it is great for terrain-specific practice. Okay. What's your target race look like? I'll ask you that then, Cosmo. Mm Mm-hmm. Target race coming up for you, right? Six weeks or so? Mm -hmm. What's the terrain look like? That's a good question. I haven't been there, but it's a road race, so uh, I should be running on the roads. (laughs) We would hope. Yeah, so we'll start there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What's the elevation profile look like? Oh, I don't even know yet. Do you? I do. Tell me about it. Because I prepare myself for success. (laughs) Man, I could tell you, I'm just hanging in there at this point. Well, this is easy for me to give you a hard time on because (laughs) I'm not worried about a bunch of new jobs and new children and all the other things you have going on. You're just lucky to be awake right now. That's right. Yeah. Uh, But I'm I'm lucky lucky to have the resource uh, of someone Uh, that's running the same race. Yeah. That's also coaching me. It's the best combination. Yeah. It's the perfect storm. It is. So- You're headed to Toledo. Yeah. And this is a largely flat course. Mm -hmm. If you were headed to Boston or we'll go local, Mm -hmm. Spinks Marathon in Greenville in the fall, your medium long run terrain and elevation should look different. You also mentioned at least you know you're on a road. That's good. You won't be in anybody's front yard. Sure. Or on the trails. Uh, But that was the point I was going to, right? (laughs) Even if it was the same flat course, but on a packed dirt or crushed limestone. Yeah. I've done marathons like that. They were still relatively fast. Yeah. In a sense that they weren't technical trail races. Gotcha. You work that terrain. So if I'm going to Boston, I'd probably have a chance with my medium long run to replicate some downhill early. Some uphill late. Okay. If I'm running Sphinx in Greenville, I better spend some time on the Swamp Rabbit Trail, and I better spend some time on some hilly stuff. Yeah. Because that's where you're going to be. Or if you're not from the area coming to do it, where you can replicate that stuff in your home. That's a good point. Uh, speaking of race specific, yes. Would you, in a medium long run, as you would in a long run, would you use that as an opportunity opportunity to fuel as well? You're on it, man. That was going to be my second big one. This really depends on your approach. I have done these many times without any fuel. Okay. And some folks look at them as a way to enhance that 
fat adaptation mm-hmm. and not using carbs by just running these easy, covering the distance, not fueling at all. Right. I've found more recently as I tinker with what is going to be my fueling approach mm-hmm. in a marathon on race day, this is a great opportunity to practice taking your gels or your bottles, whatever you use, mm-hmm. and seeing how your body reacts to it. And th- and that'll add to a second level we'll get to in a minute about what kind of pacing and stuff you do within the medium long run. Okay. But just the opportunity to be out there, if you're going to be out there for 90 minutes, mm-hmm. And your fueling plan that you're looking at on race day is a gel every 45. Here's a chance to take a gel at 45, practice taking it while you move, mm-hmm. and see how you react to whatever flavor or consistency you're with. That's the only way you're going to know if something works for you. It's hard to show up on race day and take it. I remember this is close to a decade ago now. I ran at Madison, Wisconsin. All right fantastic city to run in Mm -hmm. i dropped a gel and normally i prepare with extras but on that day i thought to myself it's not that big of a deal because their on course gels were the same as what at that time i was using who knows a decade ago what we even used um that was it was a different world it was like (laughs) only hammer gels and deepest coke uh anyway they had them out on a table i remember it like I don't know. I was maybe six or eight miles out from the finish and Mm -hmm. I went for a last one and I grabbed one that turned out to be like a chocolate hazelnut kind of flavor. Okay. And I can't do the chocolatey stuff on the gels. Sure. And my stomach just was unhappy with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I just didn't sit right. So this is the way that you can figure it out in practice. Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned before, you can train your gut Mm -hmm. to better handle more gels by practicing them so you don't have to just practice on long days now you can apply it on medium long days as well and i i think that can be a a really valuable second tool here what uh, david roche in a past episode mentioned every 30 minutes or so yeah there's no question you can work yourself to that place Mm -hmm. and there is a lot of evidence that would back up his position do what's right for you practice what's right for you I do have some hesitancy on taking them that often myself. Okay. I just haven't been particularly comfortable with that. Okay. But I have found that taking a little bit more of it than I used to is probably ultimately best for me. Right. But it, it depends on factors like whether it's race day or medium long run day. Are you doing breakfast before? Yeah. If so, how far out? Mm-hmm. I tried something different yesterday that I wanted to experiment with a product we have at run-in that I had not used before is the Noon Prime. I use the Noon electrolyte tablets all the time. So I wanted to see what the the Prime was like as a pre-run. Okay. I think I took it about 45 minutes out, and it's got a higher concentration of, in addition to electrolytes, the branched-chain amino acids. Okay. And it's got caffeine in it. And so I wanted to see how I reacted to that. And Mm -hmm. it went well. I don't know that it's something I'll race with, but it's something I'll continue to experiment with. If you want to work and see how 30 minutes goes for you, here's a place you can do it. That's a good point. The other thing I'll add is 
you don't induce the levels of fatigue that you get from the long run. I think a lot of us, as we start out in training for marathons and start running long runs consistently, like if you haven't been a college runner who's done this every week right? and now you're diving in. So this is more of Cosmo like you over the past few years. Yeah. A lot of us hit a point where we go do the long run on the weekend and we come home from it. And it's almost like you have to take that day to recover from it. You're beat up. Yeah. And it's okay that your next run is easy. It should be easy. It's it's a recovery day. Yeah. But if we can better prepare ourselves for and, and steel ourselves against that pounding and so it doesn't feel like such a big deal. It's amazing how malleable our bodies are. Yeah. I guarantee the first time I ran 21 miles, I probably laid on a couch or floor somewhere for the rest of the day. Yeah, me too. Yesterday, what I do, mm -hmm. went home, got breakfast, and started the day. Right. I had work to do. Right. We get used to it. We prepare for it. And this is another opportunity without killing yourself with that fatigue of the 20 mile or 18 mile or 16, whatever long is for you right now, Yeah. to go medium and help better build this resistance to fatigue and preparation for these skeletal muscular impacts that you're dealing with on long runs mm -hmm. so that in the long term you can bounce back i believe more quickly from your long runs that makes sense because of everything that your body has done to prepare with medium long runs as a a key piece mm -hmm. to get you ready for the longer stuff that makes sense there is a place, and it's bigger in some cultures than others, but there, there is possibly a, a place where you just do two long runs. Mm -hmm. But for most people, that's probably beating you up pretty good and, and more stress than it's worth. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I, there have been seasons and training cycles where this would just be too much for me. I mean, even doing doubles at one point was too much Yeah, uh, for where I was at. But now that, that adaptability now that that has happened and my my muscles can take um, that kind of wear and tear adding things like doubles this medium long run seems to be really really helpful let's talk about when you might implement uh, the medium long run and not only in your weekly or 10 day 14 day micro cycle but within the stretch of, a, of an entire training block okay let me uh, present this in terms of uh, you're saying of like the scheduling. Yeah. So let's do that. And then let's also go to the structure of what the individual run could actually look like. Oh, yeah. Uh, of what pace might look like. Is it just easy? Is it a workout, et cetera? Yes. Okay. So we'll go to scheduling first. If you're on a seven day cycle, which is traditional for us just because of the work week for mm -hmm. most people. You tend to do a Saturday or Sunday long run. Yeah. And so it makes a lot of sense if you're, say, a Saturday long runner. I pick that because you typically do that. I do. To come back possibly on a Monday for a medium long run. And so this would set out the week as Saturday long, Sunday recovery. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing about you referenced earlier. It became the accidental easy day that was longer than normal. Yeah. Now you have to be more regimented and cautious and strategic in your planning mm -hmm. because the days in between really become emphasized recovery. Yeah. I have to recover from Saturday long. Monday medium long is not as hard as going back out and going along again. 
but I, I don't want to be totally beat up for it. So Sunday, I better be really wise. And if I'm running, it's very easy. Yeah. Blood flow to the legs, help recovery. Mm -hmm. So it's not a moderate day. It is a, a comfortable recovery day. Mm -hmm. Monday could then be medium long. And now what I've set myself up for is Tuesday again, I recover. And by Wednesday or Thursday, I'm ready to work out. Mm -hmm. And then it's building back to Saturday going long again. Okay. That to me is probably the wise course. Mm -hmm. uh, you have medium long, you have a workout, and you have long. So you could just push this back a day as well. If you're a Sunday long run person, Tuesday probably makes sense for your medium long. And now push back not Wednesday, but maybe Thursday is your workout day. Okay. There's wrinkles to that. If you're on a nine or 10 day schedule, which often can be really great, it's just that our work and personal lives tend not to allow it for many of us. Yeah. Think about the potential of whatever. Let's take nine days. All right. Day three, you're medium long. Day six, you're working out. Day nine, you're long running. Okay. And so now I have two mm -hmm. easy days in between each one. So I really have time to bounce back. Mm -hmm. And I can probably increase the quality of each of those workouts. Yeah. Yeah. The, the workout day could probably, probably be better. The long run could have quality in it and be mm -hmm. better. Uh, the medium long run could have quality in it potentially. We'll talk about some options for that here in a minute. So if you're on that nine or 10 day schedule, that's got a lot of potential to it. And you could even throw in, say, if three, six, and nine, the days in mm -hmm. your schedule were the medium, long, workout, and long run, yeah. two, five, and eight could all have strides in them yeah. to prep you. Mm -hmm. And now you've taken six really good days that are helping you really get better. Yeah. And then four days that are helping you get better in a totally different way by recovering. Mm -hmm. One, four, and seven, you just do those more focused recovery runs. That's right. So assuming I was that I'm on nine days. Yeah. yeah that, so that uh, sounds really nice, actually. Yeah. And I've done that. It, we have one of our early episodes in a marathon series where Benji and I talk about a lead up to one of the maybe California international marathon a few years back mm -hmm. where I was on a 10 day schedule mm -hmm. and thought I had positive growth and success as a result of it. It can make it a little harder to run with your friends. Yeah. Not so many people are going long on Wednesdays. <laughs> right. And so that's important to us. You know, you still got to value that stuff. Also just don't get caught up in thinking about how many workouts you have to squeeze in because you're doing fewer cycles total. Yeah. And, and so you have to be really wise about before you get into your marathon specific stuff that you've done all the other, like the faster work that all the other skills you need so that you can hone in there. But it's what a lot of professional groups do in some variation, eight, nine, 10, 12 days, uh, even 14. Okay. Now you can do a 14 day cycle with five really quality days in it that would include a long run and a medium long run. Mm -hmm. So there's options there. Now come back to that scheduling layout. If you're doing multiple faster workouts during the week right now, say a very traditional model, model where you have an interval day, Mm -hmm. and a tempo day and then a long run okay and that's super common i think a lot of people are doing that 
the medium long run could take the place of one of those days. Okay. So it might just work already into the schedule you're in, where instead of it replacing an easy day, it's replacing a workout. And it could be done at an easy pace, or it could still have quality in it. Okay. All right. So I'll use that to transition to the structure of what a medium long run could look like. I have a handful of favorites. If you're just now adding medium long run into your routine, mm -hmm. it probably should just start out as an easy pace day, but just with more time on feet. Okay. You know, it's about adding in. If, if you've never done more than one day in a week or micro cycle of double digit mileage, then maybe we need to figure that out first, mm -hmm. right? Let's, let's get another day where we run 10 miles before we add other elements into it. But when we get to the point where you can add more, or if you're already there and you've already done this kind of thing, I have a, I have a few options I like. So one is the basic idea of it could be implementing longer workouts mm -hmm. so that a workout day just becomes a medium long run naturally. Mm -hmm. yep. A lot of effective programs will do this. We mentioned the NAZ Elite team and Flagstaff, Coach Ben Rosario, his group. You have ton of really successful high-level marathoners there like Scott Fobble, Kellen Taylor, course record holder at Grandma's Marathon, top 10 finisher at the Olympic Trials, mm -hmm. Alephine Tillamook, who made the Olympic team, won the trials. They, they've had plenty of success marathoning with very long workouts in the middle of the week, okay. stuff that adds up to like 17, 18 miles, mm -hmm. um, a couple miles of a tempo run. And then an easy mile or so recovery, mm -hmm. and then some like five by a K or three by a mile or whatever mm -hmm. that's slightly faster than the tempo run, then another mile of recovery, then another couple miles of tempo run. And you start adding all that up with a, wor a warm up and a cool down. Yeah. And you've got this huge chunk of work. Yeah. And so that is medium long it doesn't mean you inherently need to add another medium long day to that gotcha okay okay i used one last week that i like a lot it comes from a legendary greater boston track club coach bill squires okay who loved to put surges into long and medium long effort and a lot of that was about the course at boston a race right. that sets itself up for surging in different places. Mm -hmm. And a favorite is the uh, Greg Meyer Fartlek, who um, was one of our top distance runners from University of Michigan. Then from the kind of mid-70s into early to mid-80s was one of our, our greats. Late in Bill Rogers' career, Bill Rogers noticed himself struggling to match surges in races. Okay. In road races. He began to work more with Greg Meyer, and so I've always called it a Greg Meyer fart. Like this is what they were doing in the early 80s in marathon prep, where they just set a, a chunk of time. So it could be your medium long amount. Let's say it's 90 minutes. Now, I'd like to warm up and cool down before and after, so adjust accordingly. But they just did 10-minute cycles. The surging was a specific number of minutes. So their common iteration was to surge for three minutes. Mm-hmm. And then go back to normal or steady pace for seven. Now we've taken medium long and also made it a workout that's yeah. a nice, like, I'll surge these at maybe 10K pace at the fastest for three minutes. Mm -hmm. And 
Now you've got a nice marathon specific medium long workout. So you could start out by trying to do an hour of it and you could work up to, you know, they do like a hundred minutes. Okay. They also actually, I believe would often finish with a hard mile as well. Okay. I don't know for most of us if that's the most appropriate. You mm -hmm. got to, you know, it might be a plan you have, but see how your body feels. Like, don't break yourself mm -hmm. in that last mile. So that's a, an example. Okay. I also really like this as a day for your hill work. Oh, okay. You put your hills into your medium long run. Mm -hmm. And so it could be I just do a really long warm up and then I do my hills and then I run to the total amount of time. Okay. So maybe you do hill repeat hills. Mm -hmm. long or medium length hills okay or it could be i get on a hilly course to go back to the terrain element yeah and do just i run steady over hills for 80 90 minutes yeah you could do simple to this can be a more medium day not just in its length we're calling it medium long because it's the length of the run mm -hmm. but it can also be more medium in terms of the difficulty of the workout so we talk a lot on here about keep your hard days hard and your easy days easy. Yeah, I'm probably going to go to my grave with the easy day easy. Like you can etch <laughs> that right there on the tombstone. Yeah. But there is also a layer where uh, you can keep your medium days medium. Just don't get the easy ones there. Mm -hmm. But you could bring a hard day down and there's a time for that. Uh, the Canova style slight variation in pace that he'll use mm -hmm. where you're like every third minute you just randomly surge for some length of time between say 20 and 30 or 20 and 40 seconds okay and so it just changes the pace a little bit yeah keeps you uh responsive yeah and aware mm -hmm. which is good for racing right and it can add up pretty quickly and so there's a layer of quality to it but it's not a killer day, and so you can still probably come back in a few days and have a good quality workout session, All right? So some some moderate fartlek could work there. Mm -hmm. More surges or strides, less interval. Also going to steady pace, mm -hmm. uh, so a more moderate pace can be good here. I like that because that is a tool that we like to introduce into long runs, ultimately, mm -hmm. an aerobic support pace that you might end up running a long run where it's at 90% of a marathon goal pace. Okay. Uh, I'll use a, a good, an elite marathoner as an example here, just because the numbers are easy to work with. Okay. To again, explain what that 90% means. The person who runs five minute miles for the marathon the professional runner hitting five-minute miles, convert that to seconds. It's a nice round number. That's why yeah. I like to use it. It's 300 seconds. 10% of 300 is 30. That's how we get to a 90% number. So you would run each mile at 330 seconds or 530. You could go through and figure it out. The five-minute per mile marathoner is going to run 530. The six-person is going to run 636-ish. Yeah etc. as you move up. You could start steady here even slightly less than that. Maybe it's at 80 or 85%. Say I'll use that six minute per mile person again. They might at 90% be 636. They could run a medium long run here steady at something like seven minute pace. That should still be faster than that person's easy day. 
your target possibly somewhere in like the four minutes per kilometer or slightly faster area, mm-hmm. which is 620 something per mile, yeah. right? So running at seven minutes or a little bit faster is your 90% number mm-hmm. and running at 715, 727, somewhere in there is a good place to start working on steady running. Okay. But you're probably running, you're often running eight plus minutes per mile, I think is pretty typical for you on a true easier recovery day. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 This stuff gets difficult for the person who, if you're listening and thinking, I'm just new and I to running and I want to finish a marathon and my paces all f- seem really similar, mm-hmm. I hear you. I understand that difficulty for the person whose target is... 12 minutes a mile, but they can run that every single day. Mm -hmm. It's more about adding distance. So I would say to you, don't get caught up in the nuance of the quality within the medium long run that we're going through now. Rather focus on the increased distance or minutes that you're running this for. And then this can also be a good place for a progressive finish. I actually like progressive or fast finish long runs more in a medium long run than Mm. i do in a big big long run okay there's something to the like 22 24 mile one where you finish the last three or four miles really hard that is it's tough mentally and physically Mm -hmm. and and i do agree with david roche's comment that eh, people don't get real excited about it yeah Yeah. there's something that just doesn't feel quite as fun Mm mm-hmm So we tend to max the progressive long finishes at, let's say you're someone who does 22 miles in a prep for a marathon, but we're not going to go that far progressive. It might be 18 or 16 or something like that, where it's more in this medium long range. And then it's either a gradual progression throughout the run or the last X number of miles get faster. Okay. So I know saying capping it at 18, for a lot of people, that's your long run. Right. Right. So so know your scale. Mm-hmm. If 18 is your long run, don't go out and do... There's a progression that I really like. I, I rarely use it because it's challenging for most people. Jake Riley, just qualified for the Olympic marathon team, uses a lot under Coach Lee Troop okay. at the Boulder Track Club. They'll do an 18-miler... Six, 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 what I call the devil's progression. Six easy, mm-hmm. six steady. So we're at like that 90%. And then six where we work down to marathon pace or even slightly faster. Okay. Now they'll nuance those numbers more and, and you'll see within each six section mm-hmm. progression occurring at points. Yeah. Uh, but it gives you a basic premise. Cool. Don't do that. Maybe if 18 the longest you have. Right. Don't put that workout in as a medium long, but scale it back. Yeah. Because I could see the place where you go four, 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 mm-hmm. or one that I like alternately is 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes okay. that we progress through. Yeah. And so in a way, remember that you don't always have to do a long run. A okay. medium long run sometimes can take its place mm-hmm. and maybe be as or more effective. Okay. And I guess that keeps you from going to the well during the end of that progression, uh, which, you know, at, at the end of a long run, I'm, if I'm doing 20, 22 miles and I'm trying to progress at the end of that thing, I'm, I'm taking a little more out of the well than I would be, you know, going 13 to 15 miles. Yeah. It goes back to our discussion from a couple of weeks ago of how often are you going there? Yeah. 
and uh, how much water are you taking out of the <laughs> yeah. well? It's okay to go there a few times because you have to know what it feels like to work really hard mm-hmm. at the end of a long run. Absolutely. But having mastery and control mm-hmm. and being there occasionally is different than being there every single time out. That's good. That's good to know. Gosh, this has answered so many questions. And it's also opened up a lot a lot more questions about easy runs. Yeah. Which I think it might be helpful in a future episode to break down a little more what uh, recovery is versus uh, different different types of easy paces. Yeah, I think there is an opportunity maybe we'll touch on soon um, a discussion of all easy runs are not created equal. That's right. While we know it's important to keep them easy and we've addressed those questions before, Mm -hmm. it could be worth unwrapping some of the nuance like we did here with medium long in a little more depth sometime soon. Yeah. I like the shade that it added to the, uh, to the mix though. Yeah. Definitely um, something in between something really difficult in our easy days. So Um, yeah, the medium long run is not a secret ingredient because mm -hmm. people know about this and, have been using it at varying to to varying degrees but i think for a lot of us it is maybe the element that we're leaving out Mm -hmm. or we haven't thought about that could be a real central piece in your next breakthrough Mm -hmm. if you're not doing it there's a lot there because i suspect you're already doing long runs and you're already doing intervals and there's more to it and Mm -hmm. and this while not a secret ingredient, is it's one that we often bake the cake and forget. When we get to race day, the taste is off just a little bit because mm-hmm. we haven't done this. Yeah. There's certainly significant value mm-hmm. to be acquired through the medium long run. Mm-hmm. I feel like I did it all wrong this morning now that we've talked. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, live and learn. That's right. I was there with you, so I guess I'm to, I'm, I'm to blame for this. I'm sure you had some notes along the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you got to add about the, the MLR? This has been great. I, hopefully I answered the questions you had. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Let's wrap it there then for mile 78. Please, as always, reach out if you have questions, comments, topics you'd like us to hit on secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review if you're enjoying the content that we present for you. Everybody have a great week. We will talk to you next time here on Seconds Flat.